10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits! Cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off! Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you in once again to the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Matt and Brad with you as we celebrate our 50th podcast. Can you believe it? We've made it to 50. Yeah, cannot believe it. We've had some good interviews. And I ran into somebody earlier today, and they talked about how much they enjoy the podcast and just getting to know more about the people around our athletic programs. And it's something they look forward to every week and I I say that because we look forward to it every week and we've got another guest in here today in A-State men's basketball assistant coach Eon Young who has an amazing story to tell a story that probably a, a lot of people that are fans of our athletic programs have no idea about but looking forward to visiting with Eon here in the next few minutes. You know it's got elements it's not the same not only by saying i said it's the same but there are certain there is almost a, a sprinkle of blindside type element to this story and and he'll tell you it's not about not kid roaming around with no parents no family but just from the standpoint of he was a really good player just kind of hanging around the parks yeah and anyway i look forward to people getting to hear that certainly made the most of his opportunity and we'll talk with eon young about that in the meantime a a few notes to get to from around a state athletics and when last week's episode came out and by the way really had great feedback loved our visit with a state defensive coordinator rob harley but when we recorded that it was before july 4th and you and I, as part of, of what we do with East Arkansas broadcasters, we were out at Joe Mac Campbell Park on July the 4th and had a, a really fun time at our red, white, and blue color run. And we haven't been able to do that since 2019. Obviously, COVID took that possibility away each of the last two years. But we get out there, ha- have a really nice crowd out there, and a big group, the biggest group that showed up together was the A-State soccer team. Coach Dooley brought 26 people out there with him, so the soccer team was represented during the color run, and that was just one of the many reasons that event was so fun. Yeah, it was cool seeing uh, them out there. Except they had, we'll say that maybe just the day before, maybe the third was the day they all reported back, so it was kind of their first time together, and Coach Dooley, you know, saw us uh, and heard us talking about the color run and decided he's bringing the team out so it was cool to see that group of red wolves out on the morning of the fourth of course soccer season will be here before you know it and look forward to visiting with coach dooley on this podcast very soon Mm -hmm. another season that will be here before you know it volleyball and the very first season under new head coach brian gerwig and the schedule is out it came out this past week it will begin august 26th and 27th with the a state invitational the other teams competing in that will be mississippi valley state st louis and little rock and you had actually kind of clued us in that 
that was going to happen, that Little Rock would be part of this event during last week's podcast, but good to be able to start the season at home. You know, there are times, I would say sometimes even more that there are times, it's almost the norm that the volleyball team may not even play a non-conference home match because the start of the volleyball season, they're kind of three or four weekends out playing tournaments. Yeah. Uh, so to get one at home, I, I think it's not an accident. Obviously, it's something they wanted to do. It, it's they wanted to start the Brian Gerwig era at home and really make a big deal out of it. And I know, you know, all their roster additions and changes haven't been kind of released yet. I mean, they're done, but you know, it's, they haven't kind of put it all out yet. So it'll be kind of fun to see who all he's brought in on this roster. And yeah, cool for them to get to start the season at home. Yeah, the A-State Invitational again, August 26th and 27th. Three more tournaments after that before Sunbelt play begins, September the 23rd. We were also talking off the air, pretty cool recognition this past week for the A-State golf team, the women's golf team. Yeah, they uh, had, as has become the norm, they had a lot of players pick up honors as a kind of scholar athletes. Uh, it's the Women's Golf Coaches Association All-American Scholars List. It, this is the 12th year in a row that Arkansas State's had multiple players. Not a player, it's the 12th year in a row they've had multiple players. Wow. And to, to qualify for that, you have to have a 3.5 grade point average, and you have to play in it over half your team's tournaments are the two kind of qualifications. So uh, four of them this year, Kayla Burke, Olivia Schmidt, Elise Schultz, Casey Summer. Schmidt, former guest of this podcast, Mm -hmm. is on that list for the fourth time in her career. Burke and Schultz are on there for the third time, and it's the first time for Casey Summer to be an All-American scholar. In the meantime, we alluded to our guest, Eon Young from the A-State men's basketball coaching staff he's in studio with us and he'll join us next here on the second to none podcast presented by simmons bank when we play today we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies we win our tomorrows wherever we play wherever we fight wherever we overcome odds we're winning our way simmons bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We are thrilled to be joined in studio now by our buddy and A-State men's basketball assistant coach, Eon Young, about to begin his fourth year at Arkansas State. Eon has an amazing story to tell. He's about as well-traveled an individual as you'll ever be around. But I mentioned four years at Arkansas State. Eon, when was the last time you lived in the same place four straight years? Oh, man, you you got to take me back maybe to high school. <laughs> you talking about late 90s? I'm showing my age now, but... Four years in one place, it's been a while. Even overseas, you would look for the better contract, and the longest place I stayed was two years. That's why I ended up probably playing in 20 different countries because it's just, all right, well, you going to give me an extra fifteen, twenty thousand? I'm going to go here. Yeah. So, and you know, obviously, two years of junior college and then two years at Auburn. So, yeah, this is probably my longest tenure, two years coaching <laughs> high school. This is my longest tenure for sure. Well, it's an amazing story. And again, thanks for coming in today. No problem. Anytime. You were born in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. right? 
How long did you live there? I left about 15, 16. Grew up in Brooklyn, Flatbush. And then um, my parents moved to Florida. You know, at that time in New York City, it was it was getting kind of bad. And they wanted to get me out of there. So at first I was kind of against it. And you, you go to Florida, you see the palm trees and, <laughs> and, and the weather and all this that, stuff. That sold you pretty quick. <laughs> it sold me quick. And then my mother told me, she was like, listen, you're 16 now, 17, soon about to be a grown man. What are you going to do with yourself? So that's when I really started locking in on uh, basketball, trying to get my academics in order, and just went from there and never looked back. Parents from Trinidad? Yeah, my, my mom is Trinidad and my dad is Jamaican. So okay. I have a Caribbean background. It's funny because like, when I was going for the national team, it was a bidding war before, between Jamaica and Trinidad. Really? Yeah, that was going. <laughs> but the thing, see, Jamaica had an NBA head coach. He used to coach the Hornets. They wasn't trying to pay nobody. They just wanted you to go there, have a nice gear, play for the NBA coach. But the Trinidad team, they was younger, a little more hungry, and fi- had some financial incentives. So I was like, I'm going to go with Trinidad. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, playing on that team is an investment. You, you're talking about months away in the summer, and you're like, what's going on here? Let <laughs> me get something. So, and your parents, right, they were just hard workers, right? Uh, hard workers, to, to, still to this day. My mother still, she's supposed to be retired, but she's still working. That's that's just the background. I guess that's how, that's where I got my work ethic and, and the way I approach things from. All right. So you moved to Florida when you're 15, 16 mm-hmm. years old. Where is basketball in the picture at this point? Were you playing basketball? Uh, bas- basketball is just, is, at this time, is just street basketball. Playing in the parks. Is this San Lando? Yeah, San Lando. And we're going to get to Scutero here in a second, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, playing in the streets and, and playing basketball. And, and I would, guys would be like, where you playing? And I always get, well, I'm not playing in my high school that I'm at because academically I wasn't doing the things I needed to do. Not that I wasn't a smart kid. I just wanted to go to school. And, you know, my parents is working. They think I'm going to school, but I'm really not. So after I started getting like, well, you can really do this, I started, you know, locking in, honing in. And that's when I met Scutero. Mike, he was a... Big time, like AAU guy, like he has hands, he, you know how he is, has hands on everything. So when he seen me, he was like, where you play at? So well, I play basketball. He said, well, what school you play for? Well, I go, well, you don't play for linemen because I know if you play for linemen, I would know you. So it kind of went from there. Yeah, it, it, Scoot says, he sees Eon playing at the park and he says, where do you play? He said, I don't play. He said, yes, you do. Lake Who was Mike Scutero coaching for at the time? He was coaching at Lake Howell, prestigious Lake high Howell. school. Okay. Reggie Cohn was the big thing there, one of the probably the best guard in the state at the time. Uh, they're coming off, like, I guess, five, Elite Eight, Final Four. It's like historic school. His, uh, Steve Cohn was the head coach there. And I remember going and watching them play a year before that, watching them play. I was like, wow, like. This I would love to play in this environment, and it happened. I had some academic work I had to do. I think my GPA going into my senior year was like a 1.2. So they didn't know, honestly, that I can do the work. So they put me in these placement classes. I had to sit by a computer, and I used, I was just knocking out classes. But they also put me in certain classes I needed so I can graduate. You know how you got to take government, economics. And I remember my assistant coach was my economic and government teacher. So they had no idea I can do the work. You look at the GPA, and so I remember taking my first test, and uh, I did the test, and then I guess they graded it. So coach and the assistant coach called me in the office. I'm like, damn, what I must have failed the test, what I did wrong. So they looked at me, and I'm just like, what's going on? And I got like a 98 on the test. And they was like, 
Coach, he broke down crying like, I don't understand how you can do this work and nobody ever gave you an opportunity and chance to do it. So from there on, I think I had a, I had a 4.0. I did my work. Wow. I got my diploma and ended up going to junior college. Is already you played half a high yeah, school half season? Yeah, maybe like 15, 16 games. That's yeah. not a very big sample size. No, that's it. And it's great because uh, Coach Cone to this day, even when I'm making this decision to come here, he's a big he's a big part of like everything I do. He used to have college coaches come watch me play. And I just sit there in like Stetson, Florida, Florida State, and I'm just UCF. I'm just like South Florida. I'm like, why is like this guy really like I couldn't let him down? And so my talent was always there. It was just about me getting an opportunity to showcase it. So they go to junior college. A lot of guys go to junior college. Yes, it's academic issues, but a lot of it is deficiencies in basketball. Yes, I had to work on my game, but I can really play. So crazy. So how did the coaches at your other high school, even if it's maybe just because you were never actually there, how did how they never stumble upon the fact you could play? It's crazy because I would play open gym and they would see me and they would just be like, ah, oh, he. Yeah, he can play, but he's not going to do nothing. And that's one of the reasons when I retired from playing overseas, I wanted to coach high school. Because I'm like, I'm sure that there's been a million kids that fall through a crack just like me yeah. that nobody gave a chance to. So that's that was my main thing leaving. So like these coaches would see me, but they didn't want to invest the time and the effort just to get to know me or, or, or try to help me or pull me to the side. And a, a lot of it, maybe because the way I came off coming from New York, maybe a little arrogant at the time. Maybe that played a part in it, but at the same time, I'm 16, 17 years old, and nobody was like, all right, come here. And it's funny, when I go back, the same guys that did it, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I re- nah, you didn't help me. <laughs> it, it, it was Scutero and Coach Coon. But I let them let I let them talk, though. It's funny how it works. So why was Scoot at the park to begin with? He, he didn't have to go up there to try to play, did he? <laughs> Scoot, he probably, knowing him, he's probably out there recruiting. <laughs> <laughs> probably so. Knowing him, for sure. Well, it worked. He's been such a major part of my life. Even He's such a good human being. Even when I was played overseas, and obviously he helped me in high school, helped my decisions going to junior college, helped my decision when I ended up going to Auburn. He followed me my whole career and will always keep up with me, always call, always check up on me, always make sure I was doing the right thing, check on my my family. When I got married, he's always been there. He was always been, like, and that's what I needed, like a figure like that. So you leave Florida and you go to Iowa. So mm-hmm. Brooklyn, Florida. Iowa. Then Des Moines Community College. Yep. So you were able to spend a couple of years there. Mm-hmm. You end up going to Auburn after that. Did you have a lot of schools after yeah, that? Yeah, so Des Moines Area Community College, it was actually a Division II JUCO, too. I, I didn't know Division One, Division Two at the time. I just went. And Coach Salmon, Coach Cone, who coached at Lake Howe, yeah. they were best friends. Actually, he's the mentor for Nick Nurse, right? It was Nick Nurse's mentor. So I went there, and it was th- I think it was the second year at Des Moines Area Community College. They had their whole starting five returning. I think they lost three or four games the previous year. And I just had to go there and work and, and get a chance to showcase what I can do. And he gave me the opportunity. So you go to a team with loaded, with, yeah, no minutes to be had None. and become an All-American. None. Uh, I remember I walked in within a week till you could really, and these guys really, really can play. So I'm like, okay, the point guard, which is my position, he's an All-American. I ain't going to be able to beat him out. Uh, okay. The two guard, the three he, I don't really play the three like that. And then obviously I can't, I can't play the three, four, and the five. So I just honed in on that two spot. <laughs> I just honed in on them. And every day I would just go at them. I won every drill, every sprint. I won everything. And 
no offense to him, but it is what it is. And uh, we had a preseason tournament. I came off the bench, played against our rival Kirkwood. I came off the bench, and I hit the game when they shot the second game. And I think I was like 25, 26 in that tournament off the bench. And then he left. He 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 quit the team. He stayed on. He stayed in school, but he quit the team. He made him quit. My bad. <laughs> 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 he he left the team. Like I guess he didn't. I guess that's, he's going to be a sophomore. Ul- that's the ultimate yeah. compliment. And have a freshman come in that was going to play, but I guess they they kind of knew what they had. And it's it's great because my freshman year, I was good. I play I played well. Had a decent first half. And then the second half of the season, we were playing number one Indian Hills. They had J.K. Edwards and McDonald's the year before, got in trouble, and I'm going there. They had, like, all these top junior college players. I think they had, like, five of the top ten players in the country. And I went out there, I had, like, 36, 11 rebounds, eight assists. We, we lost in triple overtime. And every head coach in the Big 12, Big 10 was in that gym. So from then, it was, it was like, it, I was set. Side note, Indian Hills also one time had a Hall of Fame golf coach. That's right. Indian Hills did. Mike Hagan, our golf coach, uh, came from Indian Hills. Okay, okay. Won a bunch of national championships there. Yeah, Indian Hills is, is a, still to this day in powerhouse. He ended up going to Auburn after mm-hmm. Des Moines. Yep. And all SEC there, averaged mm-hmm. over 13 a game mm-hmm. as a senior. Mm-hmm. Talk about that experience. How yeah, was it, that? Was, it was, it was it's, it's funny because growing up, my age, we never really talked about the NBA. It was just, for me, it was just like, man, I want to play D1. I want to get to college. I want to play. I want Dick Vitale to call my game, even though he never did. But it was it was surreal because I remember playing at Alabama my junior year. I mean, Alabama in our place on ESPN. I hit a half-court shot at halftime that made the ESPN top 10. I remember in the game, I was running back on defense, and it was crowd was going crazy. And I'm like, this is all the work. This is everything I imagined it to be. Like, it yeah. was just surreal. All right, so here's a really important question. Mm-hmm. This highlight makes ESPN because you hit a half quarter in the Alabama-Auburn game. Mm-hmm. Did the play-by-play guy on that highlight get your name right? No, he called me Ian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he called me Ian because anybody who has a relationship with me know that my parents, Caribbean, is Ian. Even my son, he's in school. He's like, Dad, why, why they call me Ian at home? I mean, Ian at school, but Ian at he's home. He's Ian yeah, Jr. Yeah, he's Ian Jr. So I had to explain to him. So that was Ian Young. <laughs> so Stone's got it right. <laughs> well, yeah, and Eon is just a pronunciation that yeah. you don't hear very yeah. often. I imagine nobody ever gets there. I right. had a, a, a good friend of mine. His name was Eon, but it was spelled E-O-N. Oh, that makes sense, right? So I-E-N is Ian. So, I mean, everywhere I go, I write my name. But Ian Young, I'm like, yeah. But people who know me know it's Ian. (laughs) All right. So, we've talked about this amazing story, and you've already traveled a lot Mm -hmm. to get to this point. But after your career at Auburn is over, Mm -hmm. that's when you really start to travel, as if you haven't been around enough. You play 13 years Mm -hmm. of international professional basketball. Mm Mm-hmm. And you played in 20 different countries, 20 different is that countries, right? yeah. I came out, I was actually the last cut from the Spurs. Sam Presti was the assistant GM at the time. So I was close. So it was you, like, went to, you played summer league Yeah, I played ball summer league with the Spurs. And I got invited to training camp, but then I got a really good deal to go to France to play. So I said, you know what, I'm going to just try this and, and go overseas. So, you know, you go overseas and you start playing. And as I start building a reputation of playing, 
I'll play in Europe. And in the summertime, I'll come back playing in Puerto Rico, playing in Venezuela, playing in Mexico. For like, It's like a summer league. That's how the countries start adding yeah. up. And as I got older, I was like, okay, European, the, the market in Europe is pretty, it's good, but it's 10 months and it's a grind. And they want you to work. Like, you got to work. So I'm like, okay, I'm going I'm to go to Asia, like the Asia market, which is like Iran, Saudi Arabia. So you, you go there for like six months and they pay you a boatload of money, but it's only a six, five to six month league. So when I leave there, then you start going to South America and all these countries. So they start, the countries start adding up. So it's, it's 20. Were, it's, were you playing pretty much year round then? Year round. I probably, I'll go home a couple of weeks, go play. Uh, go home for another couple of weeks, play. My my family will come and travel with me. They always on vacation, and then play somewhere else. It's just like it's just year round. This overseas, this international basketball scene, mm-hmm. just for people. Look, there are a bunch of bunch of bunch of places you can go mm-hmm. and play a bunch of leagues where you may not make a lot of money, mm-hmm. but you can go play some places. Yeah. You know, Dwork Spencer, that played at Arkansas State. I, tell, I, I talked about him. Made one heck of a career. He's still playing. playing. Yeah, he's in he's in Egypt right yeah. now. I played against him in Lebanon, and he makes he makes a boatload of money. It depends on uh, a lot of guys coming from Auburn was a little easier for me because I had you know obviously my credentials. So in playing the last cut from the NBA, that kind of like certified me a certain price market. But a lot of guys that come from a mid major, low major division too, have found success. Now it takes three, four years to build, and that's what I'm talking about. Marcus Eaton right now, I think he's about to go to England. I'm talking about building his resume so in three or four years he can start making that type of money as well. So you threw out several different countries there. Mm -hmm. And we can go on all day about your experiences overseas, but I I guess some of those Middle Eastern countries that Mm -hmm. you threw out, you don't think about basketball. At all. At all when you think about those countries. But what is it like playing oh, in Iran and Saudi Arabia? Oh, man. I- Iran is, is the fan base. Is, like, I play for a team called Gorgon. It's such incredible. You ever watch like, on, on like Facebook and they be showing like the fires in the crowd? Like, you know how they take fo- well soccer, they call it football, to the extreme? It's the same thing with the basketball. Like it's Basketball is su- it's such a growing sport worldwide that like it, it was it was fun. It really was fun. Like the fan base, the crowd. Now off the court, it's not much to do. Obviously, playing in Muslim countries very strict, which was fine. But the basketball part, it was it was it was tremendous. And, and I remember asking you this mm-hmm. at some point, maybe last season, about just how they treated you mm-hmm. as an American mm-hmm. and. You said you were treated very well, you know, like a, like a king. Everywhere I go, it was it was like I was. I can't say like a LeBron, but like a, a like a famous player. Like everywhere I walked, I had a signed autograph. I, I never waited in line. People took care of my tabs. Like it was great. It, it, hospitality was it was unbelievable. It Nothing was ever scary nah. anywhere. At first, I remember when I got the deal to go to Saudi Arabia, and I was I was actually the whole summer with the Golden State Warriors, and I didn't make the team. And I told my wife and my best friend, I'm not playing no more. I'm, I'm done. And then I got a deal from Saudi Arabia, which was a good amount of money. And I was so nervous because I'm starting to read the stuff. You know, you do your research. If you steal, they cut your hand off. Like, I'm just like, I'm not going to steal nothing. But I'm like, dang, <laughs> these these people are serious. So I, you read all that stuff. And, you know, obviously in our, our news media here, it's, it's a lot of stuff that they you know they say. I don't know if people been on the ground. So I was nervous going to Saudi, like really, really nervous. And when I got there within a couple of weeks, I was like, it's not that bad. Like it's it's not what I thought it was gonna be. And same thing with Iran and uh, Lebanon 
in the in Egypt and all these places I played in that region. It was actually pretty nice. Did you have a favorite place that you played? Overall? Yeah, just overall. It's, 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 it's two places. I, I love playing in Germany. I was a young player at the time, and they have a, the rule where you got unlimited Americans. My coach was American. So that was kind of a, a buffer for me, being 22, 23, going there and playing in that. So I loved Germany, and I loved Lebanon. Lebanon was, it was really, really nice. Obviously, you know, you got your Italy, your Francis, but those two places was really, like, I really liked it. And you always had other Americans on your team. Yeah, yeah. So I'm most sure part. that you guys kind of had your own little yeah. fraternity. Except one, when uh, I played in France my first year and then I left, I got a better deal to go somewhere because I playing well in uh, Bosnia. Kind of like where Mario and, and Lazar was from, kind of that region. Mm-hmm. That's the only place I went where I was the only American and it, it was bad. So would that be, <laughs> I was going to ask you if it was the least favorite. Bosnia. Playing in, in Cherokee, which and it's the Adriatic League was one of the best leagues in Europe, but you had to sacrifice. Like it was, it was just like the only person that spoke English on that team was our strength coach, and it was broken. <laughs> so, <laughs> thirteen years, mm-hmm. twenty countries. Mm-hmm. What then made it time to hang them up? It's funny because I remember I knew when I was going to stop playing because I, I tore my ligament in my right ankle, but I can still play. I was fine. I just had to monitor it. I just had to play. Certain stuff I knew I couldn't do. Pain threshold, I just had to manage it. For me, I was playing somewhere in South America. It was that year, my last year. And I walked into the locker room. It was like a serious game. Like, we in the playoffs. And my teammates are sitting there. They dancing on the table. And, and I'm looking around like, okay, I'm 34 years old, 35. These kids are 19, 20, 21. I just don't relate to them no more. Like, I just can't, I can't be around this no more. And I, right then I knew it. Like, I can't, I'm just, I'm, I'm done. Like, I just can't relate to these kids no more. As far as, like, being their teammate and I'm in the gym working my butt off. They walk in with their slippers. They don't work on their games. Like, stuff like that. It was just like, all right, it's time. It's, I'm not doing this no more. Like, Once I'm you done. turned in the get off my lawn guy, it was time to <laughs> Yeah, play. yeah, basically. Like, <laughs> you guys, I, I'm not doing this no more. And I knew it. I knew it, right. I walked in. I said, this is it. This is it for me. And I had, and it's funny because I even had deals offered when I was here my first year, seeing if I still wanted to play. I was just like, nah. You mentioned your wife. Mm-hmm. When did you get married? I got married. Let me, let me get this right in case she's listening. She <laughs> get on me. In 2009. Okay, so yeah. most of your international yeah. career, you and were she's married. she's been with me since Auburn, yeah, so. And, and traveling all traveling, over the world. Yeah, and, and there's no way I can do that without her. Like, you have to have that support system in place. Because now, you know, I, I have kids and, and, and stuff, and I'm always going. And so, like, without her, even making this move here, it would have never happened to have that so strong she support. she traveled too? Yeah, she'll travel, but she's always been like real focused on. Cause she's a nurse practitioner now. She's always been focused on on her what she has to do too. Cause we always talked about, all right, well, I'm play, I'll make the money, do what I gotta do. Don't worry, but to take care of the kids, go to school, do what. You, so when I get done, we'll have a buffer, so I can figure out what I'm gonna do next, and then you can work. So that's a, we kind of like a team like that. Like we kind of like buffered each other. Yeah, I remember when I was in high school, I used to come back. After teaching classes, I'm like, I, this is a kid got a 1.2 GPA going to a senior year, and I'm a high school teacher teaching history. I'm just like, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> so, so she was, she looked at my face. She was just like, you want to go to college, don't you? I'm just like, I just want to coach guys that play at a high level. Yes. She's like, go. <laughs> so I, I went. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you, you end the 
international career mm-hmm. and you go into coaching, but you're 36 years old. Yeah, is that right? I, when I, you go into yeah, high school 36. coaching? I was 36 years old. So let me ask you, because uh, I, I think this is what I heard. Mm-hmm. You knew at the high school level, you could spot a kid mm-hmm. that might be at risk of falling through the cracks like you nearly yeah, did. Exactly, yeah. That's the, the kind of the romantic side yeah. of it. The plus side of it, and this is what I love every time I talk to a high school coach that was a really good player. It drives a lot of them crazy that mm-hmm. they deal with kids that can't do what they can do. Yep. It's it's funny because one of the first things I had to learn in my in my coaching career, and I'm still young into it, is I can't judge a player on how I used to be or how I played because it's like they just don't do it. They don't have the same work ethic. Not Some do, but especially at the high school level where you're dealing with maybe one guy, two guys. And we was good. We was number two in the state my last year. Uh, one of our guys is at Florida Gulf Coast. other one could have went anywhere but had some academic issues. Big is at Chattanooga. So we had some talent, but at the same time, the thing that I played basketball for, that competition, that drive, it wasn't just it wasn't there in high school. Like even if I win a state championship, that's it. Like in college you it's like they just keep coming and coming. You can just you can just you can help mold and shape the next one. And these guys are really good. So two years at Apopka High School mm-hmm. in Florida. Mm-hmm. And then you're 38 years old, and most graduate assistants <laughs> on the university level are, what's the average age, about 22? Yeah, because on our staff right now, we have 22 and 23, 24, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you're 38, 38, and you come here as a graduate assistant, graduate assistant, and you do that for two years, two years. at A-State. A-State. And I know what... GAs typically do just mm-hmm. being around it and Brad mm-hmm. it's the same way he he knows what their general duties are mm-hmm. you are not a typical GA <laughs> <No>. and <laughs> coach Bellato has never treated you no. that way he treated you like uh, another assistant coach while well, you were doing I that. remember when uh Scutero he put me on the phone with him and I, I was at a dentist appointment and I left and I was talking to him and he was just like listen being a GA this is a responsibility you know you got to wash laundry you got to do this you're 38 so okay, that's fine. I don't, I don't think he knew how serious I was, and I was coaching AAU in Atlanta. And uh, Scoop was like, "Oh, whoa, we we're here recruiting. Come see Blado here, basically in person interview." Yeah. So I know Blado thinking I'm 38. I'm probably got gray hair. I'm old, maybe heavy. <laughs> this guy's then, not going to come yeah, do the ground work. Yeah, he's not going to come do this stuff. So then I come watch him play in the tournament. I, actually, Dietrich Reeves was playing for Team Thad. I remember that, and uh, I sit down talk to Blado. And he looked at me, he's just like, you sure you're 38? I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm still, I still play. I was still playing like every day. And he was, we talked for about an hour, hour and a half. I don't even think he watched the game. We just talked and we hit it off. And he was like, man, this this come. And then I, to his credit, Coach B, when I got here and he seen that I, I wouldn't do the laundry and clean the gym and all the grunt work that Jays do, he's like, okay. He gave me responsibilities that assistant would do as well. He started molding me to being an assistant, and, and it's not just about being a great player. It's a lot more that comes to that. And he, he, he's been shaping me and molding me to this day. And when Coach Cabrera left, mm-hmm. year before last, mm-hmm. the assistant job came open, and yeah. you filled right in yeah. and, and were a full-time assistant last year, and now mm-hmm. you go into your second year in that role this yeah. season. He kind of told me after my, my first year that if a spot opened up, because he seen the work I was doing, my work ethic, that – He'll promote me if something opened up. And if not, he will help me get somewhere else. And so when, when Rick left, it opened up the, the door. And I told him, I said, Coach, I'm ready. I'm ready to step in and, and do the work. Now, what's sad is 
not every head coach is like that. No. Yeah, a lot of head coaches, if they get the guy they want, they don't help them because mm-hmm. they want them to stay there and, and try to keep helping them, yeah, not he, the other way around. He's selfless, man. Like he he's, he always will you know, look out look out for you, make sure that you're good, he'll make make a call. He's he's always been like that. He's like that with his players. He's he's like that with his staff. Like he's been really good. Got to be a fun staff to work oh, with man. every day too. Not only Coach Bellato, mm-hmm. but you know Brent Cruz is yeah. a lot of fun to be around. Mm-hmm. And now Casey Stanley yeah, is back. Casey, but we even have Casey in the office laughing and stuff like that. The the thing about and this is this is the funny thing. I've been here for four years now, so a lot of guys has left. Uh, Casey's left, came back. James Diaz is left. K Bay is left. So a lot of guys is left, and I talked to them, and they're like, man, I just missed the comedy. How y'all guys are as a staff, it's not like that everywhere. I'm like, for real? Because this is all I know. And it was like, no, a lot of places, a little tension here, this guy don't like this guy here. One thing we do a great job here, we're, like, we're really a family. We really are. Like We, we all get along. We have our argument. Obviously, it's a highly competitive situation, so we have our differences, but we're a family, and it's, it's really good. And you hear from the outside how it is other places. You're like, dang. For real? It's a brotherhood, a family, mm-hmm. as you say, with the coaching staff. But you welcomed a whole lot of new members to the family as far as players mm-hmm. this past off season. And look, we know a lot of the guys that, that are coming back with Caleb Fields and Avery Feltz. And I know you work with those guards mm-hmm. a lot. And Caleb London will be coming back from injury. Malcolm Farrington. But uh, you got – some guys in that backcourt that you're bringing in now that uh, mm-hmm. will complement those other guys really well. Oh, man, yeah, we got some pieces. We uh, obviously in, in the climate of college basketball now with, you know, with the portal and this and that. We don't get into that. Every year is, a, is like a whole, it's like junior college. It's like you got to get out there and recruit. And what we did, we did a good job of, of, of finding guys that complement the guys that we got coming back. You're talking about Terrence Ford, who's a tough kid from Chicago, can really play. Mac Mansell, kid from Detroit, that mm-hmm. can really shoot it, do multiple things. And that's just the backcourt. And then, then we add all these pieces. We just went out and tried to get the most skilled players, high IQ skilled players, high character guys, and just try to fill the rosters with that. You mentioned Mac Mansell from Detroit, mm-hmm. whose dad had a long international career. Yeah. Did, did, yeah. Do you know of that before you guys yeah, got as, here? Yeah, as you know, you know, you start recruiting him and you, do, you start doing your research and talking to his dad and we actually played for the same teams at different times. Really? Yeah, in Argentina, he, we, La Union Formosa, I played for them maybe a, a year or two after him. And it's funny how we, and we hit it off, and that's a you know, good opening to get in. Yeah. He talk, he's like, oh, this guy know what he's talking about. So that, that was pretty cool. Did you learn to speak any other languages? I, like I, I tell people, I speak a lot of, a little bit of a lot. <laughs> how to order my food, how to get around. <laughs> A little bit of a lot. <laughs> so, were you? Did you have a very uh, adventurous palate? I mean, did you like going places and and trying the food they had? At first, no. You know, as, you, as you're young, but as you get older, you start really, really soaking into the culture and enjoying and see the differences. Cause, you know, in America, everything is here. It's like a microwave society. You quick, eat food. When you go overseas, I mean, like a feast. Every night is like a feast. You're gonna sit down. You're gonna talk. You're gonna enjoy. Gonna, they're gonna drink their wine. They're gonna drink coffee at two o'clock in the morning. You just start soaking in different cultures, and it, and it helped me shape as a man. It grew me up. So now I'm open to so many different things that I wouldn't have been if I would have stayed here. Did you grow up with a lot of Caribbean food? 
Yeah, like even to, yeah, a lot of, obviously today, like it's crazy because I was recruiting and my wife came with me and we went to a Caribbean restaurant right by the hotel. And we ordered this food, and I'm like, this is $120, and my mom cooked this every day. <laughs> but this bill is $120. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but my mom, I grew up eating this every single day. <laughs> you call her up. You got no, you're in the wrong line of work. You're in the wrong line of work. Line of work. <laughs> you mentioned that bidding war for the national team. Mm-hmm. You ended up playing, what, 10 years for Trinidad yeah. and Tobago? Is that yeah. right? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, 10 years uh, back and forth. We actually had a really good team. And, you know, you, you qualify, and then you play the next year. And then you go two years, maybe whatever reasons in the country they don't play or something happened, and they call you, you play again. So it's within the span, it's about 10 years. Yeah, you're yeah. the all-time leader in points and assists. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, hopefully somebody go ahead and break that soon. But, yeah. It was really good. We beat Puerto Rico, who was ranked and nationally at the time. They had four or five NBA guys. We had a big from Colorado, Sacred Heart. I, actually, my two guard was the head coach at George Washington, Maurice Joseph. He was good. He played at Vermont, was originally at Michigan State. So we, we had, it was a lot of players on the team that had the background like me. They're American, but their mom was Trinidadian you know, or their grandfather. So it was pretty good. And you mentioned, you know, go back to, you know, when Scoot saw you and got to come play for him at Lake Howell, mm-hmm. and you talk about that being a prominent program. Yeah. Talk, Chandler Parsons, the Calathus brothers, mm-hmm. Brandon Marshall Brandon was, Marshall, a, B. Marsh. was mm-hmm. a basketball player. That's where people know it was football. But he was, yeah, B. Marshall, B. Marshall did a little, to this day, still nuts. But I, rem- <laughs> I can remember when, when Coach Cone, because he just came after me, and Coach Cone, I used to, have to go, go there and play and have to used to talk to him all the time because <laughs> he was crazy. Even the kid uh, that played at Florida, Torian Green was there. Like, like how it was loaded. Trevor Price playing in the NFL with the Broncos. Joey Rodriguez from VCU, coach at uh, FIU now. So, like, it's it's a it's an elite program for sure. Actually, I I got offered a head coaching job after my first year at Popka. I turned it down. I was like, uh, uh-huh. really? Yeah. I I just didn't think I was ready at the time to be a. One year, just being one year, because Scott Williams is a heck of a coach at, yeah. at Pop. I mean, he is a heck of a coach. And I just felt, you know how you get that feeling, like, I'm not ready. And I was just like, nah. I just I turned it down. I was in the last two, and I was just, I just nah, I'm going I'm to take my name out of it, which was actually yeah, a good And decision. if you take that I, job, I wouldn't be here. you, you wouldn't see, be here. That's how God works. So it was just a feeling like, no, it just didn't feel right. But I, I can't not say, born in Brooklyn, just like MJ. <laughs> MJ and Eon. That's the only time that name would be mentioned with that name. <laughs> you mentioned uh, Marquis Eaton, mm-hmm. and obviously he, he had a very solid five-year career at mm-hmm. A-State, and his name's right there in the top ten in pretty much every category in, in the record book mm-hmm. now here. But uh, I know he wants to go play overseas. Mm-hmm. You mentioned possibly going to England soon. Mm-hmm. What's your advice to him as he gets ready for, for this the, next the, step? The key for him, matter of fact, was, we was talking today. The key for him is that he's such a talented basketball player, naturally. See, me, I had to get in the gym and work and work and work and work. Things come for him easy. The, the issue with him is his conditioning. So the, the, thing, the key I tell him is he's an open-minded kid, smart kid, so I don't worry about him off the court. Like He'll be fine. But for me, it's making sure he's taking care of his body because now you don't have me, Coach Bilotto, running after you, telling you, get in the gym, do this. So now he's on his own. So that's the thing about being a pro. You have to have your own self-discipline. So that's the biggest thing with him right now, making sure, like, are you in the gym? What you doing? Come work out. Come work out with the team. So that's going to be the hardest part for him, understanding that 
all through high school, a coach pushed you. All through college, a coach pushed you. But now you basically on your own. You got you got to be self motivated. Part of being a pro. Part of being a pro is self motivation. Well, I had a feeling this would be a good visit, and mm-hmm. you could probably sit here, and especially with the overseas stuff, mm-hmm. and tell us stories for days. But I appreciate you coming in. Uh, anytime, man. You, you guys, you are, you guys are great. Basically, like second home. Like this is my four years here. Yeah, you guys has always been just stand up. Great, great. This is a great place to be. That's Eon Young from the A-State men's basketball coaching staff. We've got more to come here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. What an incredible story. Eon Young is a guy that, you know, just being around him, He's a hard worker. He's humble. You can tell that just by our visit. But his story is just so unique that he was one of those guys that uh, I thought would be perfect, if you're around him for any length of time, perfect for something like this. And he could tell stories for days as far as his experiences overseas especially. But really, really glad he's found a home now here at Arkansas State because four years – in one place is a really long time for him. I bet his wife's happy about that, too. I bet she is. You went back earlier. You were talking about people giving good feedback and this and that. And, you know, what the, the podcast does, and it, every once in a while, even different than my show, I, I, I sort of turned at, from time to time, I could turn my show into something like this. But the podcast gives you a chance to go long form with folks uh and and not be restrained by you know a commercial break's coming you know this or that yeah not watching the clock yeah because um and it really goes back to my days you know as a high school senior starting out in the newspaper business you know i worked at a newspaper that didn't come out every day Mm -hmm. in a town that had a newspaper that came out every day she had to be different and you know and that was sort of the way it did just knowing that you know everybody out there had a story Everybody, everybody's got a story. We, it was our job at the time to just go find those stories or pull them out of people, and that's kind of what we're doing here now from an A-State standpoint. Yeah, just uh, enjoy hearing the stories every single week, and we look forward to telling many more of those stories in the very near future. In the meantime, you had a, another note that was kind of passed along yeah. to us this week from our, our buddy Robert Spear. Yeah, and I would already go ahead and probably call him future podcast guest. We need to, yes, we do. We need to get him on. Even though he has no idea what a podcast is. <laughs> he can barely work the radio in his pickup truck. But one thing that I really, really appreciate Spear for is that, especially for me, for, for this podcast or for my show, he is really interested in the history of Arkansas State. He's connected to so many people throughout the history of Arkansas State that he keeps me connected with people throughout the history of Arkansas State. In one such instance was last year when he introduced me with Joe Holloman that played at Arkansas State and had one heck of a career in the CFL playing in Edmonton. Yeah. 
And and I would tell you, if you're an Arkansas State fan and you haven't uh, heard when Joe Holloman was on my show, I, I would say this. Go to Google. If you type in Joe Holloman, it's H-O-L-L-I-M-O-N. And maybe if you just type in Joe Holloman, Brad Bobo in a Google search, probably the first thing that come up was a link to the interview we did. One of the most talked about ones I've had on my show. It was a great interview, yeah. And I had no clue it was going where it went. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fascinating stuff, and we didn't talk a ton about football. Go check that interview out because it, it's just mind blowing. But uh, from a football standpoint, this guy Joe Holloman was great. I mean, he played in you know a handful of Grey Cups, and but anyway, coming up in August, he's gotten word that he's ad- being added to the Edmonton Elks. They're not the Eskimos anymore. That's hostile and abusive. Really, I yeah. I didn't know they had changed. They're the Elks. But he's being added to their wall of honor, which right now only has, I think, 38 people on it. Big honor. In the history of their franchise. And so in uh, in August, Joe Holloman will go on the Edmonton wall of honor. And he's a, like, a really, uh, really interesting guy. And not only got a chance to have him on the show, but then but the whole reason was because he lives in Seattle. So we were there last year playing Washington football. Good right. chance to visit with him in person. Really interesting guy. And so... Uh, congratulations to him on that honor. And again, I, I would suggest you just go back and find that interview because it's yeah. it's really something. Uh, amazing visit. I remember listening to it as well. And some of the things he grew up with yeah. blow your mind. All right. That pretty much wraps it up. Uh, anything you need to get off your chest? <sighs> I don't know. If I've got to think that hard about it, then <laughs> probably not. We'll let it ride. We yeah, can. We, 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 I, I don't want to tempt fate. You know, I didn't get any pushback from the one last week with the the gas so, prices. Yeah, so I'm not going to roll the dice this week. I think I'm more worried about my water bill right now, trying to keep my yard green, than I am anything else. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have that same sense. I, I do, too. And I've never, ever been a lawn waterer. Got to be right now. But I am now. We don't. I mean, I really didn't give a damn. You just to be honest. <laughs> but I, my in-laws each retired around the end of the year and that's coincided around the time we want to do some renovation stuff around the house so basically they moved from their respective places of employment's payroll to mine right and they're at my house they're on the payroll every day doing stuff but part of it is uh they've they they took out some flower beds and their place laid some more sod so now i'm trying to in the midst of all this trying to keep sod alive yeah, especially if it's brand new, you got to yeah. water a lot. Yeah. Well, so now, for the first time, I'm a. I, I don't want my lawn looking like crap, but I really I don't want to invest the time to make it not look like crap. I don't care. But my my rule has typically been, if it's nice enough to be outside, I'm going to be on a golf course and not my yard doing crap. Yeah. In the meantime, we need to pray for rain. It's very much needed. Hey, uh, thanks again to Eon Young for coming in. Really enjoyed our visit with him. We'll talk to you again next week here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.